Hi, this is Matt Barber, and you're listening to Chuck versus the Podcast. Hi, my name is Graham Jones, but you can call me Gray. This is my show. It's about Chuck. It's filled with interviews, the latest news, crazy co-hosts, and spoilers that'll make your day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I host these TV nights. They used to be pretty boring, but everything changed when I found NBC's new show, Chuck. Pretty soon, my TV night got pretty crowded. Guys I didn't even know were showing up the door. Big important guys. Really scary, nasty, get killed for hosting them guys. Next thing I know, these super episodes are downloaded into my brain. Which means every moment of my life, I'm thinking about Chuck. ChuckTV.net sent their top people to protect me. That's Mel and Liz. They're pretty zany. They co-host with me now as a cover. So now I must welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast. The number one TV podcast for NBC's Chuck. This is Gray. This is Mel. And you're listening to Chuck versus the Podcast, episode 33 for Friday, December 4th, 2009. Liz is off this time. She's moving this weekend, but she is here in spirit. As a matter of fact, if you're in the Chicago area and you want to help her out with her move this weekend, uh, send an email to mail at chuckpodcast.com. And we'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah. And she'd love to help, I'm sure. But in today's podcast, we have my interview with Matt Barber, the first in our series of editor interviews. And we also have listener emails. Glad to have them back. And the latest developments in the world of Chuck. That's right. Um, to start off, we put together a list of the Chuck folks who are on Twitter, including the latest edition, Adam Baldwin. You can find the full list over at chucktv.net and uh, start interacting with some of the folks over there on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually pretty fun to uh, to see the little debates that go on. I, I know Ali Adler and, and Adam Baldwin had a little contest to see who would hit <laughs> 10,000 first. Now, I don't think either of them have yet. Speaking of Twitter and social media, Adam and Zach both posted behind-the-scenes photos from the Season 3 cast photo shoot on their Twitter and Facebook accounts. You can find those at ChuckTV.net as well, and it's it's really fun watching those guys. Uh, I mean, you, you, it's literally just as it happens, you, you get the photos, and it's really cool. Yeah, it's really awesome that they're reaching out to the fans like that and keeping us up to date during the not-so-long-now, but what's been a fairly long hiatus, so we really appreciate them taking the extra time to do that. Yeah. And uh, and as I mentioned before, we've got some listener emails. And I, I think it's great now that Chuck is going to be on the screen pretty soon. I think it's getting people's interest up again. And it's really exciting to get emails from you. So please do send them in. Um, and also, something thing that I noticed is that we're starting to get emails from people who are just now discovering Chuck. Yeah. Which is really exciting. It is. It is. Uh, it's... Uh... It surprises me sometimes that we're getting ready to begin season three and people are just finding the show. But at the same time, it's really exciting to have those new enthusiastic fans coming on board and saying, oh, my gosh, why didn't you guys tell me about this show before? Or, uh, you know, they're discovering it for the first time and you kind of get to relive it with them. Yeah. Yeah. And make sure if you know any friends who are Chuck fans, make sure you tell them about the podcast um, they don't necessarily know about the podcast. They don't necessarily know about ChuckTV.net. So make sure you uh, share with them about the fan resources that are available. Mm-hmm. But we're going to roll right in with Daniel from Midland, Texas. He says, hi, this is Daniel from Midland, Texas. I started your podcast and I'm hooked. I love hearing all your interviews with the cast and crew and all the news, ideas, and speculations that y'all have about our favorite nerd herder. Speaking of ideas... I had what I think is a good one for Casey. Since we have seen Chuck's and Sarah's dads, I think we should see Casey's mom and or dad. You could have you could have Betty White or Deborah Jo Rupp as Casey's mom, and she could be a very June Cleaver. And whenever Casey grunts or whatever, she just treats him like a five-year-old. That'd be really fun. <laughs> and have Kurt Wood Smith as his dad. And Casey always feels inadequate. That would be interesting. You know, you kind of get the feeling that that's the sort of uh, experience he had as a child, you know, the the fat kid in the corner comment mm-hmm. and, you know, being upset because he felt like he was being left out by um, Chuck and Sarah were leaving him out. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to meet his parents. That's mm-hmm. for sure. One, I, I love that Christmas episode when he called home. I know. It's Johnny boy. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I have I have a speculation that is as awesome as Casey is and, you know, his, his grunts that make us chuckle and his competence with almost everything. I 
suspect that he's actually like the youngest of five boys and all the other guys, you know, all his brothers are these really um, awesome in their own field and he feels somewhat inadequate. And so that's why he went into the military and, you know, that's, that's my spec. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's lots of fun angles you could take. Cause I mean, Johnny boy, doesn't that sound like, you know, he's the baby of the family. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. You want to roll with the next one? I do. This is from Maple Man, and he says, Hello, Gray, Mel, and Liz. Thank you for all the amazing podcasts on Chuck vs. the Podcast. As I am new to all this podcast stuff, I love your podcast. I will vote for your podcast as best podcast. <laughs> I, I live in Australia, and I love the Chuck TV show. Um, even now, my nickname is Maple Man. I like Canada. Second, I like Canada. It's the second best country next to Australia, and that's from FP2009 or Maple Man. Gee, thanks. Uh-huh. I thought you'd like that. Yeah. Actually, Canada's yeah. the second best country. <laughs> In, <laughs> interestingly enough, um, Canada and Australia are kind of like sister countries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, and, uh, and I've heard, I've never been there, but I've heard when you go there, um, they they have, even just the people are, are very similar to Canadians. So mm. that could be where he got that from. Could be. Mm-hmm. Well, next is... Timon or Timon. Um, hey, my name is Timon and I love your podcast show about Chuck. Really respect. Sorry for my bad English, but I live in the Netherlands. And my question is to all of you, what is your favorite Chuck character? Mine is Adam Baldwin as John Casey. I like to hear from you if you can and good luck with your website. It's really great looking. Thanks for that. I subscribe today at net, and of course, uh, Mel and Liz run that site as well. Good luck and greets from the Netherlands. And uh, so, Timon, I want to thank you for your uh, message. Actually, I have a cousin who lived in the Netherlands for quite a while. But it's great to have fans from uh, really down under, I guess. In in French, they say Pays-Bas for Netherlands as the, the low country. You're showing off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so who is your favorite character? Um, boy... You know, it's got to be Chuck for me. I, I, I don't want to be lame, but um, the whole reason I even started watching the show is I just really identified with his character. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the, it, I, the Chuck show is all about interplay between all the char- characters, so I don't think it would be what it is without the great uh, other characters, but he would have to be my favorite. Same here. I mean, it's called Chuck for a reason. Yeah, that's and he's the reason I uh, was interested in it in the first place. And then Adam Baldwin, that casting was just the icing on the cake. So, um, yeah. and of course, Yvonne Strahovski has been a revelation, and Sarah Lancaster and Ryan McPartland and all you know the Bymore crew, like you said, everybody. It's all it's about the interaction between them all. But um, yeah, it's Chuck for me. Mm-hmm. And next, I'm just going to rifle through a few items that came up on Twitter. One of them was that. Uh, people were wondering if we were planning on doing an interactive podcast with Vic Sahai. And uh, we did want to make it clear that not all of our interviews will be interactive. We had the great opportunity to do that with a few people so far, and we definitely plan more in the future, but there will be a lot of traditional uh, interviews as well. And I want to thank you so much if you sent birthday wishes for me. It was my birthday last week, and I got just a flood of encouragement from Twitter and on email. And so that's very, very much appreciated. And the last item that came in was um, people have had some connection problems with the podcast. And if you have had connection problems and somehow managed to listen to this podcast, um, it's possible that you may need to adjust some network settings on your computer. Um, If you'd like to send an email to mail at chuckpodcast.com, I can give you a little more information about that. Also, you may try, uh, if you're having trouble connecting on iTunes, unsubscribing, and then resubscribing should fix it. And now we're going to roll into the interview I had with Matt Barber before my trip to L.A. So this was a while back, and uh, I'm glad we can finally bring it to you now. It's a great interview. This is Gray with Chuck versus the podcast, and I'm here with editor Matt Barber. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great here in uh, in sunny Burbank, California. I, I wish. I'm. I'm in, actually Toronto is not too bad right now. We had a really cool summer, and it's finally repenting. 
um, oh, and, and becoming a summer in time oh, for the fall. That's but, nice. We uh, we had an unrelenting summer with all this smoke and the fires, and now the haze is clearing. Mm-hmm. We, can yeah, run, we can run again. Burbank is sort of northish LA. Did you, did you get much of that smoke? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, my my house is like you know a ten minute drive from the fire, so wow. I mean, well, we we weren't threatened at all, but we just got all the smoke. Wow. Well, now um, that actually leads into my first question: is is uh, did you grow up in that area, or did you grow up somewhere else? No, actually, uh, I grew up in in San Jose, California, in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and you know I. I I did watch the, you know, I, I watched the transformation, you know, as we went from the last few orchards around our house got bought up and turned into, you know, condos and and office buildings and and whatnot, you know. Um, but I spent, yeah, I I grew, I spent the first 22 years there, and uh, after I got married, um, moved, when I was 23, 24, moved out to, uh, moved down to LA to pursue my, my dream of being in film and TV. So you you always wanted to do film and TV. No, I mean I, I say that like the dream, but the dream came. The dream came really late. I I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and and to be honest, you know, up until I was like seventeen, I seriously wanted to be an astronaut. Oh yeah, you know, me yeah. too, actually. Funny, yeah, yeah. I, I you know like I I watched uh, I watched Space Camp all the time, and I dreamed about going to Space Camp, and um, I actually took a there was a career day in our sophomore year that that I spent at Moffett Field. You know, I went out to NASA out there and mm-hmm. and checked out the wind tunnel and. And so I was like, okay, maybe I, I, I need to become an engineer because I'm not, you know, I learned I'm not physically fit enough to be part of the, the, uh, you know, the military. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll be become an engineer. And, you know, then I took calculus. And up to this point, I was like an A student in math and science. And then mm-hmm. I got a C in calculus. Oh, yeah. And that's when the switch happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, if you, if you read my latest uh, blog post, I, I talked all about that. I uh, started out actually I was I was a really good math student as well and wanted to be an astronaut and then when I was in the ninth grade the Challenger blew up and and yeah. if you remember that time all of a sudden funding just got totally yanked yeah. from the space program so that's when I read uh, George Lucas's biography Skywalking and I thought that would be pretty cool so that's that's when it started for me nice and that, so yeah it was ninth grade. It yeah. took me. It took me a couple more years because I, you know, <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I, I always loved movies and I and I loved like working in in any kind of storytelling capacity. You know, I did some. I, I'm a terrible actor, but you know, I did some stage stage stuff at school. You know, some mm-hmm. plays, and, and I always had I always had a good time doing it. But I never thought about you know, you know, actually working on it as a career. And and uh, then my friend, I had a friend who was working in radio, and he was doing this college radio station over at San Jose State. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be that would be kind of interesting. I'd love to do you know I love music and uh, I love the community aspect of radio. So I, I, I signed up and started helping out at the volunteering at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Now, and, were you going to that college? Yeah, yeah, I went to San Jose State. Mm-hmm. When I started, when I was, as I was as I was doing the radio program, I'm like, this is great. I, I, I'd love to do this. So I joined the program, and it was an all all in one sort of radio, television, and film program. Mm-hmm. And we. Uh, um, and and we we started to learn all aspects of it. And as I was as I was doing the radio, I had a couple of radio shows, um, really loving it. I started doing internships out in the uh, out in some in the real world, and mm-hmm. I hated it. Oh yeah, I hated it. I hated where the direction radio was going. You know, uh, very few people make any you know make a decent living in radio, and it's all being consolidated and and you know commercialized. I mean, you know, yeah. TV and film are, you know, they're commercial too, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it was crazy to have, you know, the, the, one of the core things about radio for me is, is the community aspect. Mm-hmm. And we'd have, we'd have DJs who are finishing up their shift and they, they go record another program for San Diego, you know, or some other, you know, town. And they would pretend as if they were there and they were oh, like, my. And, and they'd say, Hey, I was just over at Stinky's bar over here and uh, I met this dude and he said he'd drink his own urine and just like, Really, and then and then they got the program manager to come in and pretend to you know drink his own his own urine. I'm just like this, you know. It was one of those radio stations. Uh, edifying stuff. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you know the 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 urine drinking aside, I'm just like you know, really, you're you're gonna pretend like you're there. You know, at least be like you know Howard Stern. These guys are like you know we're in, we're up here in this other place and we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. So was uh, pump up the volume a key influence? <laughs> 
Unfortunately, no. But, uh. No. But actually, you know, tell you to this that uh, podcasting is is um, I think where that spirit has made a transition to, um, because it's not commercialized and it's and it's very much sort of down to earth. I agree. It's very, it's very communal, you know. And, and the the nice thing, I mean, that's one of the great thing about the internet and social networking is that, you know, while while you may not have the reach of a lot of these radio stations anymore, as far as the numbers go, you know, you, you're targeting your niche audience, and everyone mm-hmm. you know who likes this one certain thing can get together and and talk about it, you know, and feel like they are a part of something, you know, and and talk to other people that enjoy those things. And I, and I think that's a fabulous thing. Hmm. So you you hated the practical side of uh, of working in radio. So at what point did you say TV is the thing? Well, I think it's it's probably my my sophomore year in college, or yeah. Well, I I, I took I took a little I took a little while. Um, you know, I, I did support myself through college, so I, I did about five and a half years of college. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, so while while I was in, well, you know. Because I was in that program, that was radio, television, and film, I was able to experience some of the other aspects. And uh, so the internship for the radio station didn't like it, so I switched and got an internship at a local, uh, you know, um, it was a corporate video company. We did industrials and and some some you know Discovery Channel documentaries, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And I was able to do every aspect of production. You know, we were a small team. There was only seven of us on the team, so I went from boom operator to applying makeup to you know sometimes doing some camera work to setting up lights to then coming back and and doing assistant editing work mm-hmm. and learning. And that's where I really learned the Avid. And I really the Avid, which is you know one of our main tools for for cutting uh, uh, you know picture. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really loved it. So I really, I, you know, I really, you know, sort of dove, dove head in, and I, I, I found that I had a real, a real knack for, you know, for that visual medium. And I realized it was the, you know, because I was also my, my minor was also music, so mm-hmm. music, rec- music recording to be specific. So I, I learned Pro Tools, and I learned how to, you know, record bands and set up mics and everything. And, and while I had a good time doing that, I wasn't, it, it, it didn't have the intense focus for me that, that, you know. TV and film did, and I realized that I really gravitated towards telling a visual story, mm-hmm. and that was where that was where my interest lied. So I poured myself, you know, wholeheartedly at that point into everything, and and uh, you know, I, I started taking more film classes, and I took my first sort of Bolex, you know, 16 millimeter film class, and we had to actually like, you know, this this school like they wanted you to like learn how to do things the hard way. So. Oh yeah. So they I went to one like, of those too. Know, cut our own negative. Yeah. Oh, cut it. You cut your own negative. Yeah, we had oh, to cut wow. it, and you know, it was actually positive to be honest. It was, it was since it was Bolex, we just shot positive film, but we had to cut it and splice it together, and then project it ourselves, and um, and uh, it was very, it was very interesting. But that that project won me an award at school for directing, mm-hmm. and uh, I got into a fe- you know the local fest, the film festival for that, and that you know at that point, bug was yeah, it fully bitten me. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Great. And so, at what point did you uh, your first IMD? B credit is crime and punishment in 2002. Um, at what point did that transition into uh, into full series work? Well, I um, after I moved down here, you know, I, I sort of puttered around, took some internships. I, I interned for a um, development producer, um, the guy who used to work for Oliver Stone, and he also produced uh, uh, Garden State, amongst other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I spent like nine months with him, just reading scripts and learning the lay of the land. Um, at the same time, there's a um, ACE, which is a what's kind of like an editors guild. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the editors guild, but it's kind of like a, a, um, a an association. Um, and you know where where Norman Buckley won the uh, won the award for for Chuck a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an internship program, which I before I before I came down, I really researched look, looking for internships because I wasn't sure you know I wasn't sure if I wanted to do editing because you know I really I really enjoyed it, but wasn't quite sure. So I looked at internship programs. And the the one that was that was the most successful to me was you know the one through Ace. So mm-hmm. I I had applied, and I got really I got really close. They choose they choose two people. They now choose three, mm-hmm. and I I could say I was the one that sort of you know you know, <laughs> you know caused them to like rethink their policy. But um, so they they picked like nine people out of all their out of all their applicants, interviewed them, and then they picked two people out of that. Wow. And uh, the way I, I've heard it is that, you know, it came down to, like, you know, one vote. You know, be, you know there's two people debating whether they should pick me, and they went the other way. So, wow. 
Um, but in the end, it worked out because I was able, you know, I, I made a great impression with them, and all the editors that were on the panel, you know, they took me under their wing and let me come in and t- into their cutting room and, and, and meet their assistants. And um, I was hanging out with a, with a wonderful editor, uh, Gib Jaffe, who was mm-hmm. cutting, cutting The Guardian at the time. Um, and uh, he was, we were sitting there talking, and he gets a phone call from, um, from another editor, a, a friend of his, and he says, I'm looking for an assistant. You know, I just had to let mine go. Um, do you know anyone? And he says, hey, I happen to have someone right here. Wow. So I went down, I interviewed, I got the job, and that was Crime and Punishment. Great. And that was for that was for another wonderful editor, Jason Rosenfield, who um, who's done a lot of uh, reality and documentary work, and mm-hmm. he really started showing me the ropes and teaching. He started teaching me about editing and and the importance of like uh, you know uh, of looks and telling stories with the with the eyes. That was his big that was his big focus and the big thing that I took away mm-hmm. away from him. So that was that was crime and punishment. That was a you know it was a law and order show, but it was a reality show, and you know. If if any of you guys know that uh, how difficult it is sometimes to uh, to work on reality TV, we had like 200 hours of footage at times. Wow, for so a single to, episode. For a single episode. Wow, most I've had is 86. Yeah, that's. I mean that. I mean, and, and you know that's that's tough to wrangle. Yeah. 200. I mean, granted, a lot of it was you know we had four camera setups in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and sometimes these court cases would go on for for a week or two, and you know. Four hours, you know, or four four cameras rolling for you know six hours a day. That's a lot of footage. Yeah. So you worked with Jason Rosenfield as well on uh, Trace Evidence. Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, Henry Lee, who was the main uh, sort of crime scene crime scene investigator for uh, uh, O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. And um, this uh, the guy who created the series. He was uh, he had worked with him before, like helping him write a book or something like that. I don't remember; it was, it was a while ago. Um, but he developed a series for, I think it was Court TV or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was the pilot that you know that I worked on with with Jason Rosenfield. You know, he cut the pilot, and I was I was working alongside him. And that was actually my first uh, that was my first Final Cut Pro uh, project. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. And Jason Jason the editor didn't know Final Cut Pro at the time, so. You know, and that's part of the deal. So I, I actually taught him how to use Final Cut Pro in, in a series of like two weeks, and we, you know, got him up to speed, and he was cutting away. Wow. So yeah, we, we, we on... use Final Cut a lot up up here in Toronto. Um, I've I've heard that um, that there's not a lot of of shows in uh, in LA that use Final Cut, but you'd say that's that's not the truth. No, there, I mean there are, there are a number of like smaller productions that use Final Cut Pro. Um, there was a there's a there's an equipment survey that ACE does, um, the ACE does, mm-hmm. um, where they I mean and, and granted these are these are people who are in the membership and they tend to to work on more union union projects. Yeah. So the, of the larger productions, it's about Final Cut Pro is about 10 percent penetration. Oh, okay. Um, so that's about the same as here. Yeah, I mean, so and, and it's and, and it's increasing, and, and you know, to be honest, you know, um, there's been other shows. I mean, even on the OC, we we talked about it for a little bit, you know, and you know, here we've you know we've we've bantied it about, but it's such a it's such a large changeover, you know, that it's it's hard to to undertake in the middle of a of a series. It's something that's I think best done at the beginning of a series. You mm-hmm. know, when you can set up your structure and your file structure, we have all these. You know, we have hours and hours of stock footage and, and music and everything and sound effects that we'd have to redo um, if we had to do do a switchover. Yeah. So uh, so then after that, you did a few features as well. Uh, yes. Well, I did. Well, I actually, I've done two. Like when after the after uh, Henry Lee, the, the Trace Evidence show. Uh, I told myself I I don't want to do reality anymore. I want to I want to make a transition into uh, into narrative. Uh, so I I we had some money saved up, my wife and I, and I stopped you know stopped taking taking any any work in that in that vicinity, and did a few pickup jobs here and there, and then uh, a buddy of mine, actually the guy who who beat me out in the ACE internship, I mean, we we stayed friends, mm-hmm. um, and we've passed work back and forth to each other a number of times. Uh, he was he was going on to another project, and he'd been working on this uh, this wonderful sci-fi movie called Frankenfish. <laughs> okay. And, and Frankenfish is it was it was quite an experience. Uh, the editor there, um, he had cut. I don't know if you remember that movie UHF back oh, in the yeah. day. Yes, that was that was his claim to fame. And, and knowing, you know, knowing uh, uh, Kramer before before Kramer became Kramer. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was he was a he was a funny guy. And, and um, 
this uh, uh, this this movie was it was, it was it was crazy, but it was it was it was fun as well. It was directed by Mark DePay, who um, was a visual effects supervisor for Jurassic Park and also directed Spawn. Yeah, the infamous Spawn. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so I worked on that for like for about for about six for about six weeks, I, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a call from Norman Buckley. Mm-hmm. And, and had you met Norman before? No, I hadn't. And actually, actually, no. Back up. I I I'd gotten a call from from someone at, at ACE saying that the OC was looking for an in, uh, for uh, an assistant. Mm-hmm. So I sent my resume over, and I got a call. That's when I got a call from Norman. Um, and Norman looked at my resume and said, "You know, it's like you're a little overqualified. We're actually looking for an intern." I'm like, "Oh, okay." At that, I mean, and at that point, I was done with internships, and I you know I had to work. Yeah. Um, but he said, you know, I'll keep your resume on file, which, you know, I uh, usually means we'll never call you back. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, that was, you know, too bad. I'll just stick on Frankenfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then six weeks after that, he gave me a call and said, you know, Tim Good, who's, you know, um, who's now an editor on, on Gossip Girl, he was the assistant at the time. Mm-hmm. He was going, he was going off to to work on a pilot uh, with Stephanie Savage. Mm-hmm. And they needed someone to fill in for a few weeks, so I'm like, sure, I'll I'll take it. So I I left Frankenfish, and, and went and worked on the OC for for a few weeks, and had a great time, and it was it was it was fun. I mean, I was totally I was totally green, you know, on, on the whole scripted scripted world, mm-hmm. um, and because uh, TV and film, even even like independent film like Frankenfish is way different from the speed at which you need to work on on a on a, t- a television show. Yeah. Um, but I got I mean I. I you know, I fit in really quickly, and and they really liked me. And when when the next season rolled around, they got picked back up for season two. Um, and Tim Good went over to the mountain to be an editor full time. Mm-hmm. I I um I felt I slipped into his position. Great. So they brought me back, and and you know the the rest is the rest is history. Really, I mean, I I, I assisted with with Jeff Granzow, um and Susan Godfrey for for a number of years, and but. Throughout that whole time, Norman, uh, who you know, as you know from from the previous podcast, he's really into education and, and teaching um, people about the process of editing and storytelling in general. And he's a, he's a, he's he's wonderful. He's 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 a very good teacher. Mm-hmm. He's a very strict teacher. Oh yeah. Yes, he he will he will push you and push you and push you until you know until you until it just sort of clicks into place. So. You know, I spent the next couple of years under his tutelage, and and he really, you know, taught me the ropes, and and you know, and uh, you know, great, you know, great, uh, uh, great benefit because of it. Great. Oh yeah, he definitely seems that way. Um, and now, at what point did you make tra- transition to full editor for uh, DLC? Well, it was it was when Norman had started to direct. He. Um, he was prepping for his first episode, and part of the deal is he had to. He was still editing at the time, so there was going to be a little. There was going to be a little period where he couldn't edit um, and direct at the exact same time. So, so they gave me. Uh, you know, he he allowed me to have a um, a shared. Uh, you know, a shared episode with him, mm-hmm. um, which happened to be uh, R- Robbie Duncan McNeil's episode. Oh, cool. So the funny thing is, that my first my first episode was working with Robbie, um, and you know that and what a what a great guy to, to you know have your first episode with. He's such a he's such a fabulous director and and uh, a very nice guy to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so Norman got 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 swamped with uh, with the directing stuff, and so I ended up cutting the whole episode. So instead of getting a shared credit, I got the, I got the whole credit, which was oh, very. Cool. Con- yeah, which was very kind of them. I was, yeah. I was very, very, you know, of course I was very happy and thrilled. They were very happy with my work. Um, so I did that one episode, and then the fourth season rolled around, um, and we lost one of our editors went off to do uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's Matt Ramsey, mm-hmm. and so we had another spot open. Um, and we brought someone else in who didn't really work out, and so you know, um, so they let they let, let let that person go, and they decided to give me a shot because they mm-hmm. liked the work I did on the one episode. I mean, it was risky because I'd only done one. Yeah. Um, and I had done, I had cut a feature film, you know, uh, this, the summer before. Um, but they gave me the shot and it, and, and it worked out great. Great. Uh, you know, I worked with uh, Patrick Norris, who's also one of our directors on, on Chuck. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, that was my first time working with him, and, and you know we turned out a really great episode, and and so I did I did uh, I think I did five episodes in in, in total on on the OC, mm-hmm. and that sort of you know cemented my place in in the Schwartz Empire <laughs> in Wonderland. In Wonderland, exactly. Yeah, uh, and so at what point did you enter the Chuck universe? Well. Um, Initially, I, I, I remember on season four of the OC, they were, you know, there was talk about you know these pilots that Josh had. You know, one of them was Gossip Girl, and the other one was this was this episode, uh, this series called Chuck. And didn't know didn't know really anything about it. And I, I asked one of the uh, the writers' assistants to email me the script because I wanted to take a look at it. And mm-hmm. This was back in uh, February 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I was going through my emails, and I, I save I save all my emails. So I went I went back to my emails. And I'm like, what was the first mention of Chuck in my you know in my life? And it was like February 2007. And that's where we got the script, which was which was a different version of the script at the time. Oh yeah. And I read it, and I fell in love with it immediately. I'm like, this is this is the show for me. Oh yeah, you know, it hits every it's everything that I love. You know, you got a little bit of genre, you know, like spy story. You know, you have you have the comedy with the buy more guys. You have the drama and the 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 the, the, uh, the romantic side with with Chuck and Sarah. And this was and this was you know, and I, I fell in love with them. Like this is a this is a show I want to work on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and you know I. You know, Josh was very was very kind, and he's also very he's also very loyal, and and he made sure that you know we all knew that with these two shows going that we'd be taken care of. So you know, now granted, I didn't want to I didn't want to press myself and say you know I must work on this show because Norman was was brought on to cut the pilot. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like you know whatever whatever works out if I can if I can if I can work I'll be happy. But it just so happens that Norman asked me if I wanted to be the assistant on the pilot. Um, Knowing that one, I had never, I had never cut a, you know, cut a pilot, so it'd be a good. I never worked on a pilot, so it'd be good experience to, to experience it. Because mm-hmm. um, pilot, the pilot schedule is, you know, if you think, you know, if you think TV is crazy, pilots are even crazier. Oh yeah. Because you're, you're essentially like the thing with a, t- with a TV series is like once you get the tone going, once you get the, you know, the you establish the, the look and the sort of cutting pattern, you know. It's not that it's easy, but you know at least you have a template to work off of. Yeah. But when you're creating something from pure from pure scratch, and this show, I mean, as you know, it's a delicate balance. You know, a delicate balance. I mean, you know, we can go too far goofy, or we can go too too spy and too scary, and you know, it, you just have to have the right balance of like that romance, drama, you know, comedy in the spy that spy world. Mm-hmm. And so the pilot was really spent like trying to like flesh that out, and we spent a lot of time, a lot of you know, you know, a lot of hours, a lot of hours. And I was, I've only, you know, I've I've slept at work a few times. And that was one of the times. Oh yeah. I had to, you know, there was a, we had a big presentation I think for NBC or something, and, and we had to get a bunch of sound work done. So I just, you know, I worked until like 3 a.m., slept for two hours, woke back up and finished up all my work, so we could so we could get done on time. I've done lots of those. But uh, but yeah, so so that so that so that the pilot, you know, Norman asked me if I wanted to do it. I said, yeah, that'd be great. And with the with the idea that I would fold into the, the you know the the editor spot, you know, I'd be the first the first one off, you mm-hmm. know, after after Norman. You know, he wanted to work on the first episode as well, um, just because the the first episode of the series is usually just as hard as the pilot because yeah. you have to duplicate what you just did. And as you know, it's like that that episode was was nearly as big, you know, with all the helicopter stuff oh, that yeah. went on. It was it was nuts. So so Norman worked on that episode for for a while, and then I came on to do uh, Chuck versus the Tango. Yeah, and uh, and Wookie as well was uh, pretty close after that, right? Yeah. Well, this was this was a crazy time period. You know, it's like they had us working. They wanted us to just be a two editor rotation. Wow. And this is this is something the studio does you know does a lot you know they're trying to save money so um, they they push for the show to do to be two editors and we all know that you know especially on a show like this that's that we knew that wasn't going to be possible mm-hmm. but we still we still tried so there was there was a time when I was working on three episodes like Norman Norman uh, his his directing career was just kicking off around that point. So he was working on the first, you know, the you know when I what I call the first episode is really the the first episode after the pilot. Yeah. Um, and he was working on that, but you know, we 
we were working on it for a long time just because there were a lot of sequences that needed to be, to be fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And we'd worked on it so long that he had other commitments coming up. So he had to, he had to, he had to leave. So I had to take, I took over that, you know, the end of, end of the episode, worked on it for, for, you know, maybe, maybe a week, just, just finishing up and doing little notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was, you know, we did, we did Tango, which was, a, you know, was, was our very, very successful episode for us. Yeah. You know? We we really found our tone, and we really found where we needed to be, you know, and and it all came together really really quickly. And then episode, you know, episode three was, you know, the next episode in the shooting order was Sizzling Shrimp, and then Tango. I mean, no, I'm sorry, Wookie. A Wookie. Yeah, Wookie. So, so I was still working on Chuck versus the helicopter, and then the Tango episode was was pretty good shape, but there's still some stuff to work on. And then Wookie started rolling around. <laughs> And I, you know, I've never, I've never experienced that. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a balancing act. It really was a balancing act. And that was the point where we realized we need a third header. Wow. And so uh, we brought on, you know, Kevin Mock, and Kevin came in and, and took over uh, Chuck versus the Icelandic Archer. That was, you know, that was his, that was his first episode. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, it was it was it was a crazy time in those in those first first few days, and 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 the funny thing is is like you know because we 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 switched the order of 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 how the episodes aired. Originally, it was supposed to be Tango, then Sizzling Shrimp, and then Wookie. Mm-hmm. But Sizzling Shrimp had some issues that they were working on too, so they swapped those two episodes around. So essentially, I ended up working on uh, the first four episodes in a row. Wow. Yeah. You know? Which is like, oh, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm glad that we've that we've moved beyond those days, and that we're now in the uh, in the three editor rotation. Now it's it's still crazy, you know. And I'm I'm still working on two episodes at once right now. Episode the first episode of season three is still, you know, we're, we're getting pieces in as we speak, and uh, the first dailies for episode four just started rolling in yesterday. Wow. And so um, you were really really busy, and then all of a sudden the writer strike happened. Yeah. What was that the, like? The writer strike. It was. It was. You know. It was a, a bit disheartening because we. You know. We. Our, our. The momentum of the show. It was. You know. We were just building. You know. We were, we were a new show, and we were just finding ourselves. You know. As many of you. Many of you know. And you know. There were so many. There were, there were a lot of great episodes in, in, in season one, but it wasn't until the, the second half that we really started. You know, once once the ring came into play and, and Bryce came back, I think that's when the show really started gaining momentum and finding itself and then we had to stop hmm. and it was it was it was so disheartening it was so disheartening um and i mean even for the writers i mean no one really wanted to strike and yeah. um it was just one of those times where you know it, we had to deal with with the reality of the situation a lot of shows you know lost their momentum and it changed the landscape of tv you know uh, for you know I don't, know, I, st- we, I don't think we've. I still don't think we've fully recovered from from it. Yeah. But you know, we were on hiatus for know, it was it was a good. What was it? Good like four or five months, if I if I recall correctly. Yeah. And we were, just, you know, we had no idea, you know, uh, if and when we were coming back, you know, if if who was going to come back on the show, as far as you know, the 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 cast are all you know sort of locked in with contracts, but you know the. The crew, they you know, they come and go as, as needed and uh, as they find work. And you know, I was hoping that I would come back, and I was hoping that I could, you know, that I could survive long enough to be able to come back to Chuck. And fortunately, I was able to, and and I'm thank I'm thankful I did because season two was was a great was a great season. It's probably one of my favorite episode or favorite seasons of TV I've ever you know been involved with. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, season two was great. Um, I mean, not the season one wasn't, but. Uh... You're really going on all cylinders in, in season two. Yeah, but the great thing is, I mean, w- um, having the having that time off, you know, because I, I still, you know, I still like telling my own stories, and I, you know, I, I sort of, you know, direct as a hobby and and do some writing on the side. Um, I was able to to work on a short film and direct a short film with with a friend of mine um, over the break, and we got a lot of help from, from some Chuck people, including Tony Hale, who we were talking to at the time when we were talking to him about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, we were at lunch and he got a text. He goes, Oh, looks like I just, you know, I, I just got an offer on Chuck. I'm like, funny enough, I work on Chuck, you know? Mm-hmm. 
so so we were we were there when when Tony Hale was you know was at least extended the offer uh, you know in person which was which was kind of funny so he did you know he worked on our show and uh, on our film as well as some other like Scott Krinsky also helped out and um, you know and some other some other you know Chuck crew people helped out on on this short so so while we you know while we weren't working on the, you know the show that we loved you know we were able to do some other projects that you know um, that were that were very fun and. And uh, you know, it was it was it was a uh, yeah good. Time. And and that was weathered. That was weathered, correct. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, did I hear right that uh, even won an award already? Yeah, we were uh, we were out in Indianapolis, uh, their international film festival out there, and we won we won an audience award. Um, and there were seventy five short films, I think. All of them, you know, we had the you know we had the you know we like had the most votes. Apparently, it was a landslide. Cool. So which which is very. It, it was very exhilarating to you know the audience award is always the toughest one because you know you know to, to resonate with with all those people you know after all those f- films it's a, it's a it's a difficult task and we were very you know we were very humbled by the experience yeah so and then came the end of season two and that whole time unsure of renewal <laughs> so uh, did... I know that seems that seems to be our uh, our mo yeah it was uh. And the season two was, you know, that that finale, man. We just, you know, we, after that finale, we're like, how can we not come back? Oh, I know. How can we not come back? And we were debating on whether to have that to be continued card up. Oh yeah. Because I remember, I remember reading the message boards. I remember after after um, after Chuck got the intersect out of his head, and everyone's like, if Chuck doesn't come back, this will be the perfect series end. He's like, you know. Chuck and Sarah can get together. He no longer has intersect. He's back with his dad. It's perfect. It's wrap up. Uh-huh. And and I kept thinking, wait till you see the finale. Wait till oh, you yeah. see the finale. You're gonna you're gonna be jumping out of your seats if, if you know, as as Chris Fiak said, you know, you're throwing your TV out the window. Um, and man, we were debating whether to put that to be continued card. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't want to be presumptuous, but at the same time, it's like, what else can you do? I mean, whether you put that card up there or not, you're essentially saying to be continued. Yeah. And uh, and we were we were waiting on 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 the edge of our seats. You know, it was up until like the last day. Like I got Sunday before the upfronts, and upfronts is when you know the shows, uh, you know the, the TV uh, the networks announce all their new shows. Mm-hmm. And we were waiting up until the, that Sunday, the Sunday before they were going to announce on Monday. And that's when we you know when we got the the text message that you know we got we got picked up. Wow. And it was. Yeah, it was it was it was intense, you know, because we all we all love the show. We all wanted to come back. We all wanted to work, you know. Yeah. Um, and especially on a show that you know that we love. I mean, I I I know with all the with all the shows and the series out there. I mean, I'll be thankful to be working, you know, um, 20 years from now. But you know, I doubt that I'll be on a show that I love this much. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, maybe maybe it'll come again. You know, maybe I'll be fortunate, but. Um, I'm also realizing that you know to be on to be on a, on a show like this, one that I I love so dearly, one that I would you know spend this time and money putting up a little website to help you know to help the uh, you know the the effort of get Chuck renewed you know yeah. I doubt I doubt I'll have that experience again. Yeah. So so what was your response to to seeing the fans uh, support in that uh, renewal campaign? You know it's 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 funny it's it I was um. While we were waiting to get picked up, I I worked on this uh, this pilot called Human Target, which mm-hmm. will be on which will be on Fox, I think, in January or something oh, like cool. that. Oh, um, cool! But it, it was who was um, the executive producer on that? It's John Steinberg, who did Jericho, mm-hmm. and he was telling about his experience on Jericho, and they had a similar sort of you know fan fan support, you know, where they're sending in I think it was peanuts or something when they're waiting to be renewed. And, yeah. Um, and they've created a lot of he's created a lot of great relationships with with his fans through it you know he you know there's he there's this one guy who's a really amazing you know graphic designer who he met through just the fan stuff and now he's like helping them out with doing the graphics for for the for the t- his new TV series oh great you know yeah which which was which is great but it's, it's it's interesting to see like you know it's great to see like when when the fans have a have a connection with a show and uh you know you just I don't know. It, 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 it emboldens you. It, it, you know, it gives you. You know, it gave me heart. You know, I'm just like, we got to come back. And you know, not only that, that you know, I have to come back on. I have to come back on Chuck. I have to do whatever I can and hold out. 
and make sure I can come back. Because it was like, how can I, like, you know, be a part of this sort of fan force? You know, and then I was, I was, I was out there, you know, with you know, buying Subway sandwiches. I was doing all that stuff. You know, as, yeah. as a fan, fan of the show. It's like, how can I, how can I not return to this great show? You know, and I hope that, and I hope that the show does return. So, when uh, I, I think it was, you know, I think it was vindicating. You know, because we've, we know that there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that love the show. We just the the Nielsen numbers just never sort of you know fall in our in our favor, mm-hmm. which makes it hard. So, you know, to have that sort of support, you know, shows us that we're right. You know, so we know that you know we're doing something good that people that people love, and you know, we want to keep keep doing that. Yeah. Well, hopefully the numbers will go up um, with lots of uh, continued efforts by the fans. These days, I mean, TV is changing so fast, you know, um, and Everything is migrating on online, and and the the broadcast model is is you know slowly deteriorating. Um, it's it'll be interesting to see what TV looks like in in ten years. Yeah, we're coming close to the end here, but do you have any kind of favorite stories or anything you'd like to to share from from the uh, first two seasons, or or even just how things are looking now? Obviously, no spoil, spoilers. The first couple episodes, like I said, I think my first reaction, you know, when I when I read the pilot. You know, it's like when you when you read something and then you when you start to see these characters come come, you know, come out. It, they're always a little different. Like my when I first read Casey, mm-hmm. I pictured I pictured more of like a Vinnie Jones character. Mm-hmm. You know, big, burly. You know, and just just you know, he's supposed to be a burnout. You know, and then I saw you know uh, I saw Adam Baldwin. I'm just like, hmm, that's an interesting choice. And then he grunted. And then I fell in love. <laughs> after after his first grunt, I'm like, yeah. You know, I have a man crush on that, on that, on that guy. He's he's hilarious. He was oh yeah. So, um, and uh, so so yeah, it's just it, it's it's always interesting to see how these characters sort of come, you know, come and, and they they grow into themselves. And I think this this season is going to be, you know, we're, we're we're growing up. You know, I mean, you know, as we know, Chuck is Chuck is has has these abilities now. You know, and and. And how is that going to play out in 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 his in his buy more world in his relationship with his with his sister and and his new you know brother in law, you know and and now his and, and now now you know awesome is you know starting to get mixed up on all of it you know and yeah. how's that going to, how's that all going to play out you know and at the same time you know keeping the core relationship between Sarah and Chuck you know going and and uh, you know and, and all the ups and downs and you know it's it's hard it's hard to have a relationship when you're you know when you're spies. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard. So uh this this season is gonna be is gonna be fun already. You know, I'm having I'm having a blast and you know, there's some great you know, great fights and some great comedic moments and you know and I I, you know, I wish I could tell you guys all about it, but you know, unless I get smacked down by someone above me, I will I will keep mum. <laughs> yeah. Well we, we definitely can't wait to see it. Um now so Transitioning toward the future, um, we we of course hope that Chuck is on for many more seasons. But um, where do you see if, so you see yourself going after that? You know, I I I don't know. You know, I, I'm I like to sort of keep my options open and just sort of go with the go go with the flow, and it's, and it's worked out so far. You know, um, you, you never know what you know because because this is you know a lot of a lot of this town is relationship based, and as you know, it's like who you know is is important. You know, and more more so out of like people trust you if you, if they know you, and, and all my jobs have kept come through people that I know one way or the other. Um, I, you know, I, I'm keeping all my options open. You know, I would love to. You know, eventually I'd love to. You know, I you know I've I have some ideas for some movies I'd love to 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 write and direct. You know, maybe maybe someday down the road. Hmm. But you know, I'm still I'm still relatively young, and and I'm uh, uh, I still have a lot to learn about you know the art of of filmmaking and storytelling. So I'm going to keep practicing and keep you know probably making short films and you know um, and and editing on hopefully hopefully great shows that I that, that I love, and um, that's that's my hope. You know, like keep editing, and you know I'll keep doing my hobbies on the side of of directing, and you know we'll see where, where we'll see where it all goes. That's great. And any projects or charities that you'd like us to promote for you? There is one. There is one charity I'd like to promote, which is um, StopTheTraffic.org. That's traffic with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's an organization designed to stop human trafficking, and mm-hmm. they have a they have a huge campaign right now to um, to raise awareness about uh, child labor in in the cocoa fields and a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the um, 
uh, chocolate companies, especially Hershey's, that employ or buy chocolate from these these companies that employ child labor. They're trying to get out wow. the word. So, um, so that's stopthetraffic.org, traffic with a K. Great. Well, we'll definitely mention that and include a link in the podcast. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Great. So that's all I have, unless there's anything you feel like adding. Um, actually, I was going to say there was a couple. There was a couple things that you know I, you had mentioned about like scenes, deleted scenes, and stuff like that. Um, there's a, a couple couple scenes that you know we were sad to see go from the from the finale um, last year, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those situations where you know we had the, the episodes were running a little long and we needed to cut something out. Um, but there's this one scene in the courtyard. When Ellie is, you know, is having her, her, her party, and they have a bouquet toss, mm-hmm. and there's this nice moment where you know, Ellie tosses the bouquet over her head, and it it starts, you know, honing in on, on, um, on Sarah, and uh-huh. Sarah's, Sarah starts panicking. She looks around, and, and and as it comes to her, she bats it away with, you know, with, you know, with one hand. Oh and, yeah. And Chuck Chuck sees her, and he goes, and he realizes that he loves her because you know it's like that's the girl he wants. And then it starts, then it starts coming towards towards Anna, and Morgan starts freaking out, you know, and then you know Anna misses it, and then it lands in the lap of Morgan's mom. <laughs> <laughs> and big and big Mike and, and 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 you know Morgan's mom are you know giving giving the googly eyes and Morgan's like oh no oh boy <laughs> so it was it was it was it was it was a nice moment that you know that unfortunately had to get cut and it sort of visually tied all the themes together you know it was, yeah. it, was it was one that Ali Adler you know lobbied for a lot and you know unfortunately it was one that 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 we did have have to have to cut but. But hopefully we'll, it'll make it to the DVD so you can, you can see it, and you know it's a very it's a very fun uh, funny moment. Wow, wow, yeah, I'd love to see that on the DVD. Hopefully, since you have so many more months before the season two DVD is released, they have know, lots I know. of time to put that stuff this, in. This podcast will have to will have to suffice. We'll just have to describe all the uh, all the deleted scenes for you. Yeah, um, describe but, video. You know, Thank, I want to thank you and, and thank uh, all, all the people that work with you on the podcast and all mm-hmm. the fans for for continuing the support. And, um, we, you know, I have a Twitter page. If you, you know, and, and Allie has a Twitter page. And if you guys want to, you know, check out some updates from the from the set and, and try to get little tidbits from from us as much as possible. You know, keep the keep the love love alive. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us with the fans and. Uh, uh, look forward to meeting you actually in a, in a couple of weeks here. Um, yeah, yeah, come on out when when you come out. Give, give us a call. We'll we'll find some time for we'll t- find some time for dinner. Great. Well, so uh, I'll see you then, and um, until next time, it's been great talking with Matt Barber. Well, thank you. Thanks. Cheers. And we're back. And, you know, it, it was awesome. Not only um, did I meet Matt in L.A., but I was actually able to have uh, dinner with him. And he's just a great, great guy. Really, really personable. You can tell a little bit from his uh, Twitter, um, uh, Twittering over the last little while. Um, but he's a, a very, very approachable, um, really, really nice guy. It sounds like it. It sounds like, again, everybody that's involved with this show is just nice. It starts from the top and goes all the way down. So. Um, it's and it's fun to hear from the people that are putting the show together as well. Yep. And uh, just a reminder, if you want to follow Matt Barber on Twitter, his handle is BarberMatt, B-A-R-B-E-R-M-A-T-T. And he would love to have you follow him. So we're going to wrap things up now. Um, we're getting closer to christmas and we want to remind everybody that you can buy chuck themed merchandise from a whole bunch of places um you can get it from chuck is on um you can get uh, dvds and the chuck comic book from there and you, there's info about that on chuckpodcast.com um you can get uh, chuck tv and chuck versus the podcast themed merchandise those are great christmas gifts as well and uh we want to remind you as well you can follow us on twitter either chucktv.net or gray jones and that'll give you up to the second updates on what's happening and you can also um, be added to our email notification list by sending an email to mail at chuckpodcast.com with the subject notification 
as always, if you have any questions or comments to share, you can email us at mail at checkpodcast.com. And uh, as you will have heard already, we do answer those questions on our podcast from time to time. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and send those in, mail at checkpodcast.com. And we want to thank our sponsors. Movie Morons Podcast is a great podcast. I urge you to listen to it. You can get the link from chuckpodcast.com. And also syrianjunkies.de is a fantastic German TV website. And that's all of our regular content, regular as in non-spoilery content. So if you are afraid of spoilers or want to avoid them, just plug your ears, press stop on the podcast. There is nothing more non-spoilery to say. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. And we're back. We've got spoilers. And so let's get right to it. I'm going to mention that osyellofiles.ew.com uh, is a great place to get spoilers on all kinds of shows. And he often throws Chuck ones in because... He loves Chuck, which is, is great. Mm -hmm. um, so I urge you to uh, to go to Osiello Files, and also you can follow M Mike Osiello on Twitter. It's EW Osiello Files. Yeah, capital E, capital W. Does the capital matter? No. No, okay. EW Osiello Files, and since not everybody knows how to spell Osiello, that's A-U-S-I-E-L-L-O Files, and you can get lots of cool stuff there. A couple of things that came out of that column number one was a question now that it's returning in january chuck me spoiler god scott um <laughs> <laughs> they get a little flamboyant yeah and Asiello says chuck co-creator chris fedak confirms that anna Wu will be missing in action during seasons three's first 13 episodes but there is a chance she could pop up in the last six we're still writing the last six episodes, so I don't have anything first on that, he says, but I would love for Anna to come back. Fedak adds that Julia's absence at the Buy More will be referenced early in the season, and I can confirm that. Yes. And uh, we, we've been in touch with, uh, with Julia frequently, and, and she loves the show, and she definitely would love to be back. So, uh, uh, hey, we're hoping to. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And the next question, there's a $5 tuna footlong with you and Mr. Scooch's names on it. If you can give me any Chuck updates, Jen. And Osiello responds with, can you make my half a veggie? If so, <laughs> you've got a deal. Chris Fedak says the six additional episodes that NBC recently tacked on to Chuck's season three total created an interesting storytelling challenge. We were faced with the problem of either expanding the story we're telling or taking the story and telling it more slowly. And what we essentially decided to do was tell more story. So we're looking at the six episodes that have been added as Chuck season 3.2. Very cool. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans were concerned about what if there's an extra um, episode order. How is that going to mess with what we assume is going to be a pretty tight story for the first 16 episode, or 13 episodes? So uh, I know that this has alleviated some of the concerns there. And, of course, they're going to have to do a little bit of tweaking just to make it flow mm -hmm. from, uh, the, you know, the last couple of episodes into the next six. But I think we're all going to be uh, pleased. And, and uh, I'm interested. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with those last six episodes. There's a lot of speculation and a lot of fans saying, I want to see this and I want to see that. Um, I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And, and it is possible that they could schedule a gap. I mean, they, they could make the finale finale-ish. And mm -hmm. then come back with another six. I mean, it's, it, it all depends on how it plays out. But um, right. all I know is it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Well, we have some late-breaking spoilery news. Um, we have the episode title for uh, 312, which is Chuck versus the American Hero. And then there's also a casting call. They're looking for a General Norman Schwarzkopf lookalike. He needs to be about 65, and he's going to play General Schwarzkopf. So, I don't know. Does that say flashback to anybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're also looking for a hefty Burbank cop. He, uh, male, 35 to 45, out of shape, overweight but not huge. He's a Burbank cop who is very excited when some real action takes place on his beat. Oh, that so, sounds cool. Yeah. Paul Blart, anyone? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Except this, I think, is a real cop, not a mall cop. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, but that was my first thought too. Hmm. Was a mall cop, but no, I think this is a real cop. Well, and you know, Paul Blart almost made it to the police force. Did he? Yeah. Got to confess, that's uh, not a movie in my on my list of things to watch. <laughs> you know, it was surprisingly good. Was it? Yeah, I possibly because I went in with absolutely zero expectations. Ah. Uh, but it was, you know, surprisingly good. Still not on my list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But this episode is. Yep. Ah, see what I did there? Segway. Ah, anyway. So that's all we got for this week. Next week, we're going to have part two of our editor series, and we hope you tune in. See you next week. Bye-bye.